0: The Incomparable Number 371 September 2017 Welcome back everybody to The Incomparable I'm your host Jason Snell We're here for another edition of what I thought was going to be our survey of the films of Miyazaki and But no, it's not It is a Studio Ghibli movie that it was um, screenplay and storyboard by Miyazaki but not directed by him, so I guess maybe this is like the anime club annex. I don't know. John Syracusa is out there; he's in charge of this stuff. How how would you describe "Whisper of the Heart" from nineteen ninety five and where it fits in to uh, the coursework of the incomparable?
1: I just lump it in with the rest of the Studio Ghibli movies, uh, and the, the particular distinctions of uh, it's not it's not a Miyazaki joint from top to bottom, like i guess i've always gotten that by watching it like as it feels different but uh it is no lesser in my opinion so even though it's always been oh let's talk about the films of miyazaki in my mind i've always been thinking of it as all the studio Ghibli uh, things but most of which are him and a, a a smaller amount from other people but he's you know even if he wasn't involved with this i would have put it on the list and i probably would not have done it for our anime club so okay. i think we are firmly in the miyazaki, miyazaki club slash ghibli yeah
0: miyazaki club annex. it's well i mean he's he's present you know, it is storyboards and screenplay like the Miyazaki's, the hand of Miyazaki is present in this. So, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Whisper of the Heart. In addition to John Syracuse, the people joining for this conversation are the following: Moises Chu Hi
2: Moises, welcome back. Chase and I like the paper library cards better.
0: Uh my wife the librarian had lots of comments about uh about <laughs> the library, the the cards and the books as seen in this movie. Um, which is, is not a thing in libraries so much anymore. Um, and I we'll, will I guess I'll get to that when we get there. Uh, Erica Ensign's also here. Hello.
3: Hello. I, I am no man's burden. I want to be of use.
0: <laughs> All right, good. That's <laughs> the important uh, thing to say when you're in the back of a bicycle going up a hill. I had some thoughts about that, too. And Aline Sims is also here. Hi.
4: Hi. I didn't write down a clever quote.
0: Oh, that's okay. <laughs> How yeah. about... How about, uh, instead, I start us off with a little song that goes like this. Oh, gosh. Homeless cat, gonna- <laughs> lead me on to a place with violins, barren statue, clock grandfather, lead me on. Homeless cat. That's it. That's all I got. I'm working on the lyrics. Your lyrics are very good. I'm hoping to clock perform them at the school mm-hmm. uh, ceremony later, but I got to work on it. Clock grandfather. Well, because it's a grandfather clock, but also a grandfather works on the clock. And the meter worked better when it was clock grandfather instead.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. in, uh, Jason,
2: yeah. uh, if if I can offer a, a supplementary <laughs> uh, introductory statement to John's, uh, sure. regarding the the provenance of the movie, um, the the uh, the Miyazakiness of it is something that uh, that people have debated. Um, and there's a really uh, lovely book called Studio Ghibli written by Colin O'Dell and Michelle LeBlanc uh, that I'll, I'll give you a link for to put in the show notes people can buy on Amazon that covers uh, ostensibly the films of Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takahata, which includes even the ones that they did not direct. Um, and they they go through the entire Ghibli filmography through The Wind Rises, uh, and they they make a special mention in various cases of the fact that even, even if one of the two of them uh, weren't directing it, um the entire studio because it was a very small tightly knit group um had uh, had a, a very hands-on um uh, uh uh role in in making it so especially this one that Miyazaki did the script and the storyboards for um he especially lent um in 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 the studio's own words his touch to the the blending of the fantasy sequence uh that we get just uh you know touches of uh later on in the film mm-hmm. Uh but uh, just a note on the director, Kondo Yoshifumi, uh worked on Lupin the Third, Conan the Boy in the Future, and Anne of Green Gables, which was something that that Miyazaki and Takahata uh worked on before Ghibli was officially founded, um, and which is uh, very faithful to the Anne of Green Gables book. Um and uh, and Kondo uh worked for Ghibli from Grave of the Fireflies all the way through Mononoke and died tragically at 47 of an aneurysm um and uh, and was uh, was apparently much much beloved and very much um as much as you feel Miyazaki or feel a bit of Takahata or, or some of the other um notable uh Studio Ghibli um long timers uh hi, the uh, the the DNA of of Kondo's work is is something that you see in some of the other films too um, and uh, and I should also note that this movie was adapted from a manga, and then the semi sequel film that uh, that Ghibli made later was also adapted from a manga. But they commissioned the manga because they wanted to uh, do like a, a short film for a for a theme park thing. And and I guess we'll probably talk about the cat returns maybe briefly at the very end. Mm. But that was that was that was just um, the kind of uh, dramaturgy thing that I had no, about great. the provenance of the I, film.
0: I know nothing. I, I like literally just watched the movie and knew nothing of the background. And I only like looked up about what. What Miyazaki's involvement was. Uh,
2: Me later. too. And I, I, I looked that stuff up actually this afternoon, um, and and discovered the movie when Disney first put it on DVD in the states back in the mid aughts and uh and at first was kind of going where's all the ghibli stuff where they like monsters and weird uh animal mm-hmm. modes of transportation and stuff why is the cat and, not
0: talking <laughs> yeah why is the cat not talking
2: <laughs> when is the cat gonna talk and then the cat talked um but you know my 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 initial thought was oh this isn't very uh ghibli like and then by the time i got to the end of it i found myself really positively rewarded which is the most um, spoiler-free thing it, that I can it, say. Are it, we going to do not, a spoiler horn? Yeah, I, I don't
0: know. I mean, if there's, is there anything to be spoiled in this movie, really? I mean, I'm no. not sure there is. It's like like many. So among the things that are very Ghibli about this, very Miyazaki about this, there's no villain. There's kind of not a lot of conflict other than some pretty basic conflict. There's clouds and weather. There's an airship. And there's I, an I would appreciation would exams, for heights. School, school exams
2: are pretty big villain
0: hmm i don't know (laughs) i don't know uh john why did you exams in Uh, school so (laughs) john why did you pick this why why was this the next up for us well kiki's delivery service is my
1: favorite uh ghibli movie and uh, this shares something with that and with a lot of the anime that i like and you know television programs and movies too i i kind of have a taste for gentle stories that in which not too much happens that uh, I don't know if you want to call them slice of life stories but I mean it's it's just like uh, Kiki's where not that much happens and it's just someone going through their life and the little things that they learn it's usually someone in a, in a pivotal point in their life adolescence or whatever um, but gentle stories like that executed really really well as in the like a lot of care is taken there's a lot of a lot of detail. It's not trying to take a gentle story and elevate it to be like high drama or some just amazing uh, movie that just blows you away uh, with its emotional impact or thrills or anything like that. I mean, a gentle movie executed true to its form. And so and, and uh, Kiki is a little bit more substantial than I feel like than this one in terms of story. But this one really bears down on the details of the characters lives the the backgrounds where they live the the and kind of in the same way as uh we did uh, five centimeters per second in those uh mm-hmm. movies lovingly reproduced uh the mundane details of life from the library cards to the the apartment they live in and the streets they walk down and the different the different types of buildings and homes that the various people in the in the, the movie live in without you know making it a big class struggle uh, type drama thing. I really appreciate that. I don't know if I get in this sort of like a meditative state watching these movies or I find them calming or just, I don't know, just pleasant and gentle. And we've we done on these things, we've done like, you know, Nausicaa and uh, Castle in the Sky, which are sort of action-packed adventure. Things blow up and there are <laughs> monsters and scary people with guns. And this is much more in the kiki vein. And I just really like these kind of movies. I don't. I, I always wonder if I'm... Strange for liking this kind of movie. I know a lot of people like Kiki, but I don't hear people mention this, but I've put this in the same category, not as assured, not as well-constructed, but I get kind of the same pleasant feeling watching it.
0: All right. I can can totally see that. I totally see that in this. It it has a very similar feeling. Something I was going to mention, and I I bring this up not because I think I actually would argue this, but I think that it, it occurred to me while I was watching it, is I'm watching this film... And maybe it's because I got that vibe from Kiki, um, and maybe it's because it's a it's a an anime, maybe because it's Studio Ghibli. But I had that moment where I thought to myself, why why is this why does this movie exist? Um, and and I, I I say that because <laughs> what is the role of animation, right? Because I think one argument that somebody could make, and I'm not ultimately making this argument, but it, it passed through my mind is. Animation, the great thing about animation is that you can show things that you couldn't show in live action. You can do things that are not possible or not today they are, but are not easily possible. You can have it be heightened and fantastic. And what's interesting about this film is, with the exception of the fantasy sequences with the Baron, the cat statue who comes alive in the fantasy sequences this is just a slice of life. There is no reason for this to be, you know, it's not leveraging the fantastical potential of making an animated film. It it, it delights in the details of like John mentioned the streets. That's the thing that I kept noticing is like gates and steps and streets. And that's the thing is like a piece of piece of art, like a painting or a drawing. um, Even though this is depicting, You know Kind of real life It does have this Kind of heightened element So I came As I was watching the movie I came to appreciate it But part of my brain And I think maybe this is my Growing up in the United States Kind of Part of my brain Expects that If it's going to be animated That there's got to be Something you know, fantastic or unusual—that is, uh, taking advantage of the of the medium's ability to do that—and this this film doesn't do that. And ultimately, I'm okay with it. But it, it it's it's just a it's just a slice of life, basically.
2: Well, the the kind of boring functional piece of it is—you know—in '95 when this thing came out, it was most common that manga would be adapted in animation, and that's just kind of how the the Japanese animation industry worked. And in the case of uh, a manga like the the one that the whisper of the hearts based on it's not a bi- a billion volumes and serialized forever and ever like sailor moon sailor moon which i i feel like has common school kid um uh slice of life type of aspects to it beyond you know the crazy supernatural stuff there's the same kind of you know, uh, meet cute, uh, boy meets girl, you know, boy is kind of, uh, you know, teasing the girl and they end up, you know, getting, uh, getting friendly and, and fall for each other and walking down streets and closing gates and making it to school on time and getting just, getting home late and not studying for exams and that kind of thing. Um, and, and it feels like this was just something that seemed like the length of material that would suit itself to feature adaptation rather than television series. And uh, and Ghibli wanted something that I feel like at, at this stage, chronologically, of when they made it, goes back to the origins of the kind of fantastical, dreaming, creative process that went into making the stuff that really became their signature trademark.
1: So even though it shows everyday things uh, and you know it's an accurate reflection of, of the, the manga that i imagine is popular because like you said it's those it's those type of things that those stories that people want to read about right um i you know animate it is important like jason said that animation can show uh fantastical things and that it doesn't really cost more to draw different lines on a piece of paper than other different lines like all the lines cost the same more or less um <laughs> so you can draw anything that you can imagine um unlike real life and you know where if you can do live action it's less expensive than doing it all cg but anyway because it is animation and art painted backgrounds and hand-drawn animation even though it is of everyday things it's different than live action because live action you have a more limited set of tools to express what you think is important in the picture you've got lighting you've got the camera angles you can do some optical effects and and uh, other things with focal lengths and stuff to try to emphasize that's what all the, the art of film is about But in animation, you have much more freedom to fudge the parts that you think are not important. I mean, just look at the people's faces like these are all Ghibli faces, right? They are suggestions of a face, but not accurate representations of a human face. And in all of these scenes, they get all the same tools as film. They pick the camera angle, the staging, the sort of focal length, if they're walking with the background behind them with like a long lens or if they're shot from above as if someone's looking out the school window to look at them. Um, all those tools are there, but also the tools of choosing, you know, how, how to essentially paint the fr- paint the frame In live action. You can set up your camera and point at some roads, but you can't control every single car that comes on the roads unless you're David Fincher. Right. And he's doing it with computers now anyway. Um they can make the frame look exactly how they want and they can make you look where they want you to look by choosing every aspect of the production. So even though it is you know, it's just drawings and it's just of, of people's houses and rooms. It's it's like having the ultimate control. It's like, it's like what the adventure wishes you could have. Every single element on screen is under their control and can be stylized and emphasized to capture whatever it is they're trying to express about this street scene, about the steps, about these gates, about these people. Um, and that's what I feel like if I think of a live action version of this, I feel like it would be more lifeless because it's unless you're constructing a city from scratch or like controlling every single element, including the weather in an entire, you know, city schemes, it's impossible to do what's done with art. It's the same reason people draw pictures of landscapes. Why don't you just take a picture? Isn't that a better representation? It's just, <laughs> why is this even a painting? It's just, it's just a bunch of trees and some water. Why is it even a painting? Uh, There are no photos in this. Everything is either a painting or a drawing. And that that appreciates animation as an art form and how it can draw your attention and your eye and how they can interpret the world and what what these artists find important and meaningful. The Pixar is the same thing, important and meaningful about these things that they've studied in real life uh, is part of what I enjoy about animation. That's why I will watch animation of people doing the laundry or of a messy kitchen. Uh, I'll watch that all day long and I will not Mm. really watch that in live action.
4: I was thinking as I was watching it. This is not a movie I would watch as a live action thing. There's <laughs> something to be said for. I mean, because there's not there's not a lot of action. There's not necessarily a a lot of talking. There's a lot of watching a a kid write. Like you mm-hmm. know, I know what that looks like. But uh, there is so much. I think. Power and I don't know if I'm looking for the word beauty or something else in seeing how the artists and how the directors choose to highlight the things that they choose and what fades into the background. Whereas I think if this were something in a filmed live. It would be really overwhelming. I think there would be a lot of details like if they had, you know, that apartment with all of the things going on. I think that it would be really overwhelming, but they have the ability to kind of make it blend in more to the background than, you know, a camera that picks up everything.
0: Yeah, it would be almost David Lynch like, I think, if it was uh yeah. like just endless, slow, deliberative people <laughs> moving things around in a kitchen and all of that. And instead, I found myself also just the details, like the details of the house and and uh, and the different rooms and things like that. And I I enjoyed watching that. Um and I thought, wow, this is uh this is really what it's like. And it's like, no, this isn't really what it was like uh in Japan in the nineties in these houses. This is the animator and an artist's uh, conception of what they wanted for this story so it's that layer removed but uh, that means that they're putting everything that's there is there for a purpose and and the stuff that isn't there you know they, they didn't put in the stuff they didn't want to put in and um and i did find it kind of soothing and peaceful and i i like that kind of thing in a movie too so uh so mm-hmm. i like that i like that too i enjoyed all the details of her uh, uh her uh Apartment with her family and and the different rooms and the sliding doors and the school and and the the roads. I really like the roads. I, that's the one that got to me. I guess it fits. <laughs> the, given the the country road, lines. Country road yeah. take me home. Gotta have shots such, of power lines in every anime. And the huh? trains, mm-hmm. public transportation, and and the fact
1: that you know when she visits her friend's house, it is very different than her apartment. Oh yeah. And the other houses were like where the Baron lives in like the nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that and that old little house that's like straight out of Kiki's. You know, the the the, the shopkeeper and the clock and just yeah and you know in the in the the same way that a lot of anime does is you can you can clearly tell that the people who are drawing this have all lived some some or all portions of what they're putting on the screen. They've been on those trains. They've gone through those mm-hmm. neighborhoods with the steep stairs. They've lived in the cramped apartment, right? They've gone to the convenience store like all these and it, you know as we've always said with the Japanese animation, those things are even more interesting to us because we don't live in Japan and so right. not only are they beautiful renditions of the everyday like artful renditions of, of the mundane but they are an exotic mundane that is different than what we're used to you spend an hour just thinking about like is this an exaggeration of how cramped apartments are or is it just the way they are you know and you get the rice cooker in the corner the little pink rice cooker and the the pots and then the books everywhere and the You know, the the little kitchen table where they all gather and Mm -hmm. uh, the way the schools are. And, you know, if you've seen a lot of Japanese animation, eventually you see these similar depictions of school over and over again. So either that's the way the schools are or everyone in Japan has decided when you're when you're showing school, you know, school middle school high school in in japan <laughs> everybody please show it this way and we'll fool yeah, all the westerners into thinking this is the way schools are yeah
0: it's either how it is or it's a trope that they've just decided <laughs> yep. it's like no no yeah. we know how we depict a school you do it like this and you, i yeah. I, have, I mean
1: that, th- think of how american movies show high school and american high mm-hmm. school and i guess it's probably similar like they are i look at high school and american version. movies yeah. yeah and it's like you recognize some parts of it but i don't know i i have less faith that uh that Americans are accurately depicting high school than I do Well, in Japanese. some
3: American high school movies, they go outside and like you walk between classes it, out, outside. That's not a thing that happened in my high school. Oh in
0: California, I don't know. Plus, I'd cross the street White Walkers. in my high school. <laughs> sure. Let me take a break to tell you about our sponsor for this week. It is The Golden House. Salman Rushdie, one of the greatest storytellers of our time, is back. He has a new novel. It is called the Golden House. It's written in a style that only the masterful Rushdie can pull off. It's a contemporary novel about identity, truth, terror, and lies set against the exuberant backdrop of current American culture and politics. Ripped from today's headlines, The Golden House is a thrilling story about a real estate tycoon and his mysterious, powerful, corrupt Family. The Goldens have recently moved into a pocket of New York City and seem to be hiding in plain sight until an aspiring filmmaker decides their family will be the subject of his next project. Overflowing with inventiveness, humor, and a touch of magic, The Golden House is a celebration of human nature, a great American novel, a tale of exile wrapped in a murder mystery, a meditation on the nature of good and evil, a thrilling page turner, and a coming of age story for the ages. So many things all wrapped up in your copy. Of the Golden House, which you should buy now wherever books are sold. The Golden House by Salman Rushdie. Thank you for sponsoring the incomparable.
2: There are those bits of comfort that that feel like the school kid anime that you see in series, in features, and stuff. It, it feels familiar, but it feels not the same but with enough commonality that, Boy, that you feel you feel at home with it and and this this movie for me is, is what what really uh, i don't know puts the puts the cherry on the cake for me is uh is it, it, those moments when ordinary feels extraordinary um where it's just really boring regular stuff but it holds my attention regardless. And at first, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, I started watching the movie and I was like, is this it? And then I was like, oh, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, See,
3: that's the exact opposite reaction I had. I loved the beginning of it. It starts off like there's this great music. I'm like, oh, we're, you know, there's going to be an adventure. There's a blimp. This is just super yeah. fun. <laughs> and like, right. Halfway through, I was like, <laughs> she, OK, gonna this wait, is going go to go to another world. The key, the key line. I didn't even care if she... I, I wasn't looking for her to go to another world. I, I determined pretty quickly. I was like, that cat is not going to talk. I'm not going no. to talk He's like, when's a cat going to talk? And at first I was like, I'm not sure. And then I, like, I pretty quickly I was like, that's not a talking oh, cat. boy, he's have like, I got the movie no, for you. <laughs> but,
1: that cat, it returns.
3: I, I, got, I think I got mixed up because... Uh, looping back to the very beginning, I think I thought that this was quote-unquote anime club and not quote-unquote Miyazaki club. So I was actually surprised when I saw the Studio Ghibli logo pop up and I was like, oh, okay, this is not what I was expecting. So, you know, I, I sat back and I really was enjoying it until... Until I just wasn't anymore. It just it really was the everyday, the mundane. And it was a coming of age story which I am so not a fan of mm. that uh Yeah, I wish I had experienced it the way you guys did, but it was it was pretty well, much the opposite for go. me. I'm a you don't like bit... coming
1: of age stories in general, like as a genre?
0: Yeah. I'm I'm with you a little bit in the sense that I kind of liked the movie the first I liked the movie at the beginning more than I liked it at the end and I think partly and follow me here it was because there was less plot And less things were happening. And I actually kind of, with the fewer things going on, I I found that kind of charming. And then there's the kind of like, oh, well, now they have to meet. And then there's an obstacle and the boy goes away and she's going to be sad. And then there's the fantasy sequences and all of that. And I kind of preferred the first part where it was just kind of purely her life. Um, and, and that's, but yeah, I, I had that same thought about the cat mm. because one, there are some real like Miyazaki feeling moves in this story, even though it is grounded in reality, other than those couple of fantasy sequences. Um, the cat is one of those, the cat's on the subway and it's like, why is there a cat on the subway? And now it's leaving <laughs> and she follows it and it's a great sequence oh yes. and, and it feels very Miyazaki. Um, even though it's just a cat it's not a it's it it has lots of names it lives in lots of different places uh the one boy calls it moon but it has various other names in various places it's just a that cat who gets around um that one and also actually one of the school scenes at the end where the um all the school kids are following them up to the roof to spy on them and then they kind of like tumble out and stuff that felt very miyazaki like the they were they were school kids instead of magical creatures uh like totoro or something um but the way that they're animated and the way they respond felt very much like they could have been magical creatures it was the same kind of like physical uh comedy kind of uh, stuff going on on there so uh, but i did i i'm I'm with you erica i kind of like the Mm the mystery and uh just the sort of meandering of the first part of it because there came a a moment where i was like well i know every single beat that's going to happen the rest of the movie and um i was less interested it was fine but um the the more magical stuff i thought was the the first half (laughs)
1: executed executed those beats differently than in western movies because you're right they're all there like you know what what's going to happen but Maybe maybe it's because I'm watching the the uh, subtitled version and not the dub, and I don't remember if the, if the dub is overacted. But all of the obstacles, like oh, the boy is going away and then he comes back, with the exception of the end, which is silly and overblown.
2: Um, <laughs> the <laughs> very end, obviously, yes, yeah. uh, right, <laughs> just oh. <laughs> like just like all coming of coming of age yeah, experiences. It wasn't no, as this artful, is worse. was wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't
1: <laughs> as artfully executed, but but all the obstacles are. I felt like more realistically portrayed because they're not, it's not the end of the world for everyone involved. So sure. like they all more or less take it in stride the way kids do very often. Like even if like your family moves or, you know, whatever it's not, it doesn't, it, it, you know, it, it galvanizes her to do something, but generally in a gentle way. She doesn't spend the time hysterical. She doesn't hitchhike on a boat to try to catch up to tomorrow. It handles it in the way that uh, the events that perturb the, the lives of young people growing up always do. Like, internally, it feels important and dramatic, but externally, you continue to go to school. Maybe you, you make up your mind to do something a little bit differently, but, like, life goes on, and I like that aspect of it, sort of the... The tamped down version where there's not any there's no misunderstanding where they hate each other there's no oh, yeah, rival yeah. affections there's mm-hmm. you know there, there are cross-wires with the, with the you know this kid likes that kid who likes that mm-hmm. kid kind of circle thing or whatever but even mm-hmm. that is resolved fairly peaceably the one who gets the most upset about it is the boy and uh, you know our hero is mostly takes it all in stride and sort of like that's what I like about this you know a coming of age story that doesn't doesn't amp up the in the same way of Kiki. Like she she gets upset at various points too, but like her life continues and she, you know, she she works her way through it. And again, with the exception of the ending because it feels like they just didn't know how to end this movie. I feel like the, the movie yeah. ended before the ending scene. Yeah. Um they should they should cross know, I, paths
0: I, I, at a train track. And then move, no, move their separate ways. So that's that's a good example of way more over dramatic kind of like let's
1: that's that's the example of uh let's make it look on the outside the way it feels on the inside. And this movie mm-hmm. looks on the outside the way it is on the outside, and the feeling we have to you know sort of infer.
2: In defense of melodrama for a moment, uh, the, the the tween and early teen years, uh, I, I, something you mentioned, the uh, the schoolmate who has a thing for her and admits his love. And, you know, her, her friend is the one who has a crush on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that scene should be taught in schools uh, to mm-hmm. young boys. Uh, this is this is how you do not harass the girls that you have crushes mm-hmm. on when they do not return your affection. Um, Except
4: for the part where he grabs their arm. I was that, like, no, yes, yeah, yes, that's yes, not okay.
2: Yes, yes, where, where they where they pause it and they mark it up on the screen. They're like, but this, this, <laughs> right. no. The rest of it, <laughs> yeah. good. This, no. Um, the 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 heightened drama for me of, you know, the tween, teen, early teen, uh, you know, falling for people and going with people and declaring your everlasting love and we're going to get married. I mean, we're 12 right now, yeah, but eventually, um, You know, eventually, that, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, on this rewatch, uh, made me think that, that I, I, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's it, uh, at the end. But for me, uh, on, on this one, I was like, no, that's, that's kind of just the, the, uh, that's, that's the slice of life encapsulation of this phase of life. And yeah, there's the semi-sequel in The Cat Returns that if you're wanting more of the whimsy and the, you know, crazy weird stuff and going to another world and that kind of a thing, it's got that in spades. Um, but I imagined a, a more uh, depressing, sad, like mid thirties sequel uh, to you know where where we we follow up on how oh oh kids, uh, isn't it cute that you you think you're you're in forever love and going to be together forever and all that kind of stuff, um, but uh, but then I thought mm, yeah well that that's 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 one way to continue the narrative thread of this thing, but I, I don't feel like the narrative was ever trying to um, neatly find a stopping point uh, because we would have to, you know, take these people all the way through the rest of their lives or something. I, I think, um, so I mean... Fe- like, it feels weird, but uh, but I, I'm, I'm I'm more at peace with it than I was the first time I saw it.
0: I kind of would, would have rather the movie just stopped a little shorter, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I would yes. have... I, if they looked at the sun looked at the sunrise that would have been good although by the way it's sunrising over clouds and he's like oh no we got here just in time and it's like but there's clouds like it's not going over the horizon it's going over clouds the cloud might have not been there there's no time where the he's sun just try- comes he's just trying to sell it over the clouds <laughs> but <laughs> i
1: would yeah, have yeah. Thought, he thought he'd make
0: it up that hill just a little stop, bit faster than there. the media. no no, no
3: you guys right? this is pit, this is very specific weather to that area and yeah. he knows when there's this but kind of cloud cover cloud. and this kind of night it's just that it's be he's perfect. got
0: that he's got that amount of time anyway he, he could have stopped there when they're just looking before they have the conversation could have Stop when he was waiting for her. So um, when he's waiting for outside, and she sees him, and 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 that that would have been a kind of a nice a nice yeah. time to end it. But instead, it's the super sappy. It's fine. It doesn't ruin the movie for me. I think this is a really sweet movie, um, and I like it a lot. But yeah, I could it could have stopped a little sooner. I think.
4: Well, in that that whole thing at the end where you know the the bike riding up the steep hill. <laughs> that whole thing where she's like it it felt like oh we need to throw some feminism in here she never had said anything about like wanting to be independent or like in and, and suddenly it's like oh we need we need to we need to give her something here and she's mm-hmm. i don't know it, it felt a little uh, i don't want to say tacked on yet yeah, it not necessarily out of character but uh, completely out of mm-hmm. the blue and i was like yeah. i mean yeah go you 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 do it but on the other <laughs> hand it didn't Gosh, feel you know, feminism just
0: crashing in uh, yeah. I, li- <laughs> I liked it i liked it for this reason because i think it naturally follows from what the joke is which is he has this romantic bike ride in his mind and they get to that hill and he's like no 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 I got to do this. This is how I've always pictured it. I got to do this. And at some point, she's like, yeah, I'm killing you here. I'm going to get off. Now. <laughs> and I really liked that, that she's that she's finally like, uh, you, this is a nice idea, but it's ridiculous. And and we're going to stop now. That's the part of it that I thought was very, a very funny um, moment for her to be like, I'm I'm not going to let you continue this ridiculous Storybook thing that you're dreaming of here, because you're you're going to die. You're never going to get up this hill. So she gets off. I, so that, the, I think that's the, the reason that, that, I really that and it. the
1: and the ending scene both stand out is because they they bring the subtext forward to the text. They're like, we're just going to tell you, we're going to have our characters say, you know, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm I don't want to be a piece of luggage. I'm going to help you up the blah blah blah. Like, and it's in character because the whole rest of the movie. Like, they both have their goals. He wants to be a violin thing. She wants to write, but she's not sure if she can. Him going off to pursue her interests galvanizes her to say, Mm -hmm. he's doing his thing. I need to see if I can do my thing. And then figuring out, do you care about school? Do you not care about school? Like, she is not a lovesick teen for this thing. She is very determined and figuring out who she wants to be and, you know, channeling her interests. She loves books and everything into, you know, skills and thinking about uh thinking about her life and her family is generally encouraging of it the 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 mother is going to school the sister seems like she's trying to figure out her life still living at home but helping out with the family like it's another example of a coming age story where there are role models all around uh and and different sort of peers to compare yourself to and our main character is trying to figure out what kind of person am i going to be but then they throw in that like and all during the time she's she's you know very uh, very uh you know like she, remi- she reminds me a little bit of my daughter now, but like very, very determined, sort of very independent. Um, but she doesn't say those. So you just see her doing them. You see, you mm-hmm. know, even when she decides, when she makes decisions about when he goes off and what she's going to do in response. I think they have a little bit of internal uh, dialogue about it, but she doesn't go out and say those things to people. She's not. And so when she expressed, when they have at the end that they have to proclaim their love for each other out loud, and <laughs> and you know, he's got, she's got to assert her her. Uh, her independence it's such a contrast with the earlier scenes where she's chucking that kid's duffel bag over the fence and just running around and just generally being herself without need to declare how she's defying gender roles or something all the while they're yeah. wearing these silly sailor uniforms to their school anyway don't, don't nah. forget
0: climbing over a fence while holding her dad's lunch and trying to not drop <laughs> yeah, it yeah so, for, so like
1: a- that so i think it, you know they they fumble it at the end. If this was a more subversive movie, you would think that that ending declaration would, would meant to be show you how ridiculous it is, it is that kids these age think that that's, what's going to happen. But I, uh, you know, it, you know, you could have ended it sooner or ended it differently, but I just, you know, Shizuka's going to be fine. Like she's not going to be with that guy, but she's, she's going to be <laughs> fine. Like by doing whatever it is that she's doing. Right. And you never be like, whatever you're not with. Like, I, I feel like the love story is is not as important to her as it is to the movie. If that makes sense, right? Like, she's, <laughs> all right, whatever, like, it's a guy, and, you know, she's interested in him because he co out the same books, but she doesn't really know him, but, like, it's the first time, like, I see when she's singing that song and they're all playing the music together, it's just, it's basically just a, a male friend that, you know, that she's, it's not, she's not, like, lovesick. And neither is anybody nope. in, in the school of like have these silly crushes on each other. Like this is just how you feel out what relationships are going to be like. She but this has isn't actually, a relationship. she
0: has a really nice line actually when she's obsessively writing her book basically where she, where she says, or when she's done, I guess where she says he's, you know, I'm, I'm, he, I need to catch up with him or he's way ahead of me. And it's, and, and it, it does feel like what she's really trying to do is pace um, the boy who's off learning about whether he wants to be a violin apprentice um, because she doesn't want him to have this amazing life experience and for her to be in place. So she's like, no, I'm going to do this amazing life. I'm going to make my own. And that's what writing her story, which is called whisper of the heart, which is the name
2: of the movie. uh, That's where that comes from. Well, for, for me, the, 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 these moments that, uh, you know, you could describe as fumbles or that, you know, don't, qu- are ill fitting with the rest of the movie. For me, are, are, I think, really pretty natural outgrowths of the sort of performance art that teenagers engage in of, uh, of, of, you know, almost like jumping into Shakespearean heightened language where, you know, if, if this were, if this were, you know, a full, a full on fantasy anime, you know, she would be standing on a mountain with a glowing sword over her head, you know, saying, you know, I, Shizuku will, you know, declare my everlasting love blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, there, there are those, those moments where, uh, we, we all said really dumb things when we were like 13. Um, we look back on them as dumb, but in the moment they don't seem dumb because it it feels like that is where that is, that is where it is time to, to, uh, to declare your feelings in extraordinary ways, uh, with extraordinary language. Um, so it's, it's weird and awkward and it makes you kind of go, Oh, honey. (laughs) Honey, but people do that. Um, and, and it's something that I, I'm you know, at a multiple of that age, I like to think that I didn't do as much as I did, but I know that I did. I know that I did. I know that I, I said such horrendously, you know, silly things. Um, you know, at the same time, I, I echoing what you guys said, I, I love that the movie does not revolve around the love story being the only motivation for her, Seiji. It's an aspect of the journey that they're both go- going through growing up, but it's not the only thing that is making it possible for her to be creative and be a writer for him to find his creative vocation. It's, it it is an aspect of everything else that's going on around them.
4: Yeah. And I also really love how realistic the portrayal of being a writer is like that, (laughs) Uh, especially when she's handing it off to, to, uh, grandfather where she's like it's bad it's awful it's it's the worst it doesn't make sense it's like whatever and and uh mm-hmm. and I'm like yes every writer i know does that mm-hmm. like literally every writer i know does that and that like the pain and the research and the going to the library and you know all these things it's like yes this is this is being a writer and
0: he's got um the grandfather has the uh perspective of a of a craftsperson Right, where he says, because, uh, a lot of times all he does is he speaks about, like, in, in metaphors involving crafts, things, but he says, you know, you've got to refine it. And he says, yeah, it's got some rough spots, right? When she finally said, no, it's horrible, and the whole end doesn't make any sense. And he's like, yeah, it's got some rough spots, but it's good. You just need to work on it and polish it, but don't worry about it. It's good. You you just keep per- persevering and make it make it better. Um, so it's a realistic take on it, too, that I really liked, that not only is her complaint what every writer would think about something when they're done with it but that he's got exactly the right advice to give to her because he's so wise and and knowledgeable and and has oh, the, he's just he's just an adult
1: more or less but but yeah. he's very honest with her he doesn't go this is the best thing i've ever read no, you're an amazing he writer doesn't. it's like no <laughs> he doesn't do that he's encouraging he to the rock it's like a big ugly rock with a tiny little pretty <laughs> yes. thing in the middle it's like you are this big ugly rock that tiny thing in the middle that's what you're trying to get yeah. out
0: good luck maybe there's maybe there's a, he's i think the line is something like maybe there's a beautiful gem in there but you know,
1: yeah or not don't know. like whatever uh but to, that's that's why i feel like the, you know the the most important things in the movie to the characters to, to shizuku and and seiji are uh, you know for seiji it's it's uh are you gonna be uh whatever the person who makes violence right that is by far the most important thing to them at no point do i believe that his love for shizuku is the, the 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 most important thing in his life and likewise for her her most important thing is You know, am I going to be a writer? Is this a thing I can do? Like, you know, where am I going in life? Like looking at where her parents are and her sister. And Seiji is, you know, more of a, a rival, like a competitive, like he's off pursuing the thing that he wants to do. Why am I just sitting around here going to school, reading a bunch of books, sort of like, you know what I mean? Like all of that is so much more important than their romantic relationship so it's it's all the more awkward that the big climactic end of the movie is their you know Seiji's silly declaration of love that I can't even tell if she's that into or not but that's not what's (laughs) important to either one of them the most important thing to both of them is they you know that they have that she's proved something to herself and that we didn't see what he did when he went off to Italy but he made some decisions about coming back to school uh, or pursuing that like he said it was different than he thought it was going to be you know they're they're finding themselves they're figuring out what kind of person they want to be they are not looking for a love match that will sustain them and this is like the the most important thing in life but the movie seems to think well you gotta it's like it's like movies that feel like they have to end with a wedding right well you gotta end with a wedding someone's (laughs) gonna get married here and they can't actually marry these kids so they end with a marriage declaration
0: and the the, we don't have the girl the girl cat doll isn't there anymore so they can't marry the two statues so (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the point that the movie turned for me is it, between sort of really enjoying it and being kind of bored was at the point where um where Shizuku decides what she wants to do or decides she needs to figure it out. I think I really like the beginning where it was just life is this wide open field and she's just doing her stuff and the moment when she's like, no this this is the thing that I want to do. I I think I just I found it Maybe just painful <laughs> as an echo of my own life or something, watching her just try so hard and and you're absolutely right like that is that is what this movie is centered around for her as a character it's It's certainly not the love story and i'm I am happy about that because i don't think I would have would have liked it any better in that way but i I think it was I think it was just that that she she's trying so hard and suddenly the focus um, for her as a character is very much internal whereas before she was lapping up the things that were happening around her you know talking to a cat and then following it to see where it goes and and that kind yeah. of stuff um it, it just sort of felt like the future is wide open and it could be anything and then suddenly when she makes this decision the the future clamps down and now it's it's suddenly like it's going to be this if if she can make it happen so it b- before it was it was just sort of like, having fun and then it was striving so i think i like the having fun bit better maybe i would have liked it better if this was a a short series rather than a movie and could take like the the different parts in chunks i mean i tend to prefer my teen drama drama anime in in episodic format to start with so maybe i'm just biased
4: There there was a line early on about, you know, like you need to figure out what you want to be when you grow up or what are you going to be when you grow up or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I every time I hear that, I laugh because I'm in my (laughs) mid 30s and I have no idea. Like, I've got no clue, let alone when I was, you know, 12.
3: Mm hmm. Yeah, I want the movie. I want the movie that fights back against that idea where the main character is a young girl who just never decides what she wants to do and is perfectly happy and content and gets along just fine anyway.
4: Yeah, like, how about where do you want to start exploring and not Mm -hmm. like this is the thing I'm going to do forever because that's not how it's yeah. worked for me so I'm I I, I didn't really to it. she was going
1: to be a writer forever only that she wanted to see if this is uh, just like he said uh, Seiji went off and came back and said the violin place wasn't what he thought it would be like not that it was bad or anything but just boy the reality mm-hmm. is different than like she's never actually written anything she's just thought about it so here she is going to actually write something maybe she'll find out I don't want to be a writer like I, I don't I don't take any of these things as the thing you know I can think of all the things I did as a kid to try them on for size and many of them to put it a concerted efforts towards, um, and even though a lot of it, you feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and I still don't know what I'm going to be or whatever. Even as a child, this is a, probably not a, probably a pessimistic way to put it, but as a child, you think I, I didn't decide what I was going to be, but you did in the negative, as in at some point. Uh, you know i decided i wasn't going to be a jet fighter pilot right or a professional athlete like we all make these or a famous actor or actress or you know what i mean like i'm not going to be president like all the things that you you might think about as a very young child you have to come to either a decision or a realization am i going to be an olympic athlete well if i'm not training at five in the morning every seven days a week when i'm six years old like it's probably too late to be an olympic athlete right um (laughs) so we all we all sort of like Have to grow from the toddler who who really everything is wide open and slowly the door is closed and you see, what do I have interest in? What do I have aptitude in? What is it really like to do that job? And as you get closer to high school, I think you have to more seriously look at like maybe I'm really into band or theater, but do I want to be a professional musician or an actor or is this just something fun I'm doing in high school? am I good enough to do it for a living? Do I even enjoy it? What is what is the life of an actor like? Like, those are things you learn as you get older, and maybe you just close that door, right? Or maybe you get a job at the mall that lets you know what you really want to be is like a jeweler. Who knows? Uh, but, like, that's what this stage uh, of life is about. Not about, like, and now she decides she was going to be a writer, and forevermore she would strive to be a writer. Like, if that was true, I think every, you know, everybody would, would be still trying to be professional writers or actors or professional athletes but we're not we you know you grow and you realize that's not going to happen i don't even want it to happen because i wouldn't actually enjoy that i just like the idea of it so you move on to something else
3: which is where why i would like it to be a series because i would like to see her get <laughs> to that point
4: yeah and I, I i agree with all of that and i don't think that's necessarily what this movie was trying to do but it is kind of a theme in these. It, it, I don't know where I grew up, when and where and how I grew up. I was told that I was going to have a job and that was going to be it forever. Like and so the fact that I am in my 30s without a well, technically without a job, but having had many career shifts like that's not something that I was ever prepared for. And I feel like our media still really reflects that is that like you're going to find the thing and this is what you're going to do. And I don't think that's really true anymore. Mm hmm.
1: That's all media made by boomers who had a job for life. Ignore that.
0: Ignore
2: that. <laughs> I I, my my take is is kind. It isn't so much that the movie is messaging that you that you have to do what the old man says, but him saying it is something that you hear and. I feel like, I, especially after having seen Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, the documentary that came out a few years ago that just kind of follows Miyazaki around and, and he just gets dark sometimes, <laughs> like good and, oh, uh, this is a disaster. This is going to be terrible, but it's always miserable. That's what making art is. Um, uh, for, for me, it, it, it's, it's that you will hear that no matter what and it, it brought back those sense memories for me too, where it's like, well, you're going to go to school and you're going to do this, and you're probably going to be a teacher, or you're going to probably work in a bank or something like that, um, and and in in this case, in particular, you know, like we we see the the heightened feeling reality of this uh, this budding romance that we all know is is not being presented that way because um because they're they're intending to go yeah these kids are going to make it they're going to make it work from 13 on to 30 to 90 uh you know this is going to be it that's that's going to be the whole thing um I, for me it 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 really To me, uh, upon having watched it three or four times, um, underline more that uh, that, yeah, people say that that's not really the way that it's going to work. But, you know, sometimes trying trying it the way that people tell you that you're supposed to is just the first step into a larger world of figuring out who you are and what you're going to do on your own.
1: She also has nice hippie parents who, you know, (laughs) the dad's like, well, (laughs) you don't want to pay attention to school all right but uh, he does say you know but you know if if you're going to go off and do your own thing you got no one to blame but yourself or but in generally supportive and not sort of like parents trying to keep her along the straight and narrow and tell her she has to you know whatever pick a career and then have that career forever or you know whatever role they see for her they're not imposing that um even though the dad seems like, I don't know what the dad does for a living besides smoke, but he's <laughs> always there <laughs> the with this the pile, of, with his pile yep. of books. And what is he doing at home though? What 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 library work do you bring home that you do like late into the night as you chain smoke in, in the corner of your kitchen? Well, that's, like, his, pouring, that's, that's, pouring that's his over hobby or know. something.
0: Or he's, I don't know. I don't know. He works at the yeah, library.
3: The, the other daughter said, like, you missed a line or something early on. So I don't know what he was. he coding? Yeah, I just
0: feel like he's <laughs> going to burn that whole place
1: down. It says books everywhere. It's just, yeah. it's, it's gonna go. and, and the mom is, I don't know what she's going to school for, but she's, you know, she's not she's not working right now. So they need help, uh, you know. But anyway, they seem uh, it, it probably helps to have. Uh, support structure like that to yeah. let you to let mm-hmm. you find yourself as opposed to constantly being kept along like you have to get good grades because then you don't get grades, you're not gonna go to school, you don't get to go to school, you're not gonna get a job, you'll never be a lawyer. It's like what why I am I being it, a lawyer? I found
3: it really interesting the, the dynamic between the sisters because you have the older sister who is really trying her best to to help out and and is is watching her younger sister who has got her head in the clouds and she's quote unquote slacking and and I, I, kind of wanted to see more of that relationship built out because I wanted to see the sort of the the difference in the sisters. Because like you said, the parents really are very cool with this. It's her her big sis who just keeps you know berating her for for not trying hard enough. You know, even after her dad says no, it's okay. You know, you do what you need to do. Her sis is like, you know, his face clearly showed he wants you to go back to school. He wants you to keep trying.
1: Yeah, She's a little, little bit of a bitterness, like she's she's at home helping out, Her, you know, if her mm-hmm. life was going in the way she wanted it to be, she doesn't feel like she'd be back at home, but at the same time, it's hard living with a, with a moody tween in a small apartment, and you feel like you in should be room. on your own. She's she's happy to leave at the end, let's put it that way, like she's, mm-hmm. she's fulfilling her duty to the family, but there's sort of like a sister, you know, they shouldn't be having fighting like little kid sisters because one of them is so clearly an adult but that vibe is still there i think they captured Mm -hmm. the dynamic well, even though she's like barely in it uh they they captured
0: that Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. uh well so i'm obviously not going to walk through the plot because we've already been talking for close to an hour but i (laughs) there's some things i wanted to mention that maybe if you've got comments about we can we can talk about it that way just a few little notes i wanted to hit i as i as i mentioned at the top uh, country Roads Take Me Home, John Denver is... Uh, is a central part of this movie, which I find hilarious. There is the bad translation she's asked or offers to write a good translation that's better. She's also got the concrete roads that uh, <laughs> is her like uh, this is really about where I live, uh, and that's in there. the 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 soundtrack picks up the country road, take me home, and there's that wonderful scene late in the film where the boy is playing the violin and tells her to sing, and he and and he's playing country roads, take me home and she begins to sing and of course the grandfather and his two musical friends as it is described <laughs> in, the, uh, in the in the in uh, the in the captions um uh sneak downstairs quietly and then join in and they continue to play uh country roads take me home with her or singing her lyrics and i just think it's just such a weird thing to find in a in in a movie in a japanese animated film for me i'm like john denver what is going on here this is supposed to be all about a culture i know nothing about and uh and yet i, I really i uh it was kind of delightful on that last scene is where they're playing that song and they sneak up on her and all that is really really delightful and nice so yeah Something. I
3: had I had a real jaw drop moment like when it opened with country roads like I turned to Steven and I was like what is happening so <laughs> <Yeah. Do> I, <laughs> I actually have, to have to... the right audio track yeah. uh-huh. exactly That is ex- that is exactly what I said cuz he got it set up for me I'm like are you sure that this is this is what it's supposed <laughs> to be and he double checked and everything was was fine um but yeah I also have to give a huge shout out to that the the musical like the the diegetic music breakdown like at the, <laughs> in the middle of the film and Steven who was not really paying too close attention even the fact that the tambourine hits were all coming at the right time like the time of the tambourine
0: hits. <laughs> all the lines cost the same you draw it the way you want it that that yeah. animation mm-hmm. is amazing because i i was noticing too that yep. the the precise and in fact what i noticed in one shot at least is that the way the shot is framed it's very clear like the shot is framed in a certain way it seems to me so that the bow of the violin can be animated in a certain way because they want to get that exactly right and the movements you know again i don't play the violin i don't know but it sure looked like it was perfectly Mm -hmm. timed with the music and that the movements were all like what the right movements should be and i was i was very impressed with that whole scene that how how well because that's that's hard to do you know to do that with animation and they did a great job john denver
1: that's the scene reminds me of a lot of other scenes in the movie and a lot of these sort of gentle movies Uh, kiki has this as well uh, like or even just the the live action Adam green gables that i love so much like not a lot happens in the movies but they're punctuated by it, it, it reflects my memory of living through these ages because they're punctuated by scenes that represent memories that you know will stay the basement playing the music you know that will stay the 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 walk to and from school along the same route every time with the traffic going around, that will stay. The going down the really steep stairs and feeling like you're up in the air, that's a memory that will stay. All these sort of small moments that seem like they just flow in and out of the, oh, here, here's the story. She's going from here to there. She's doing this thing, so on and so forth. Little little memory moments that after everything else has faded and you don't remember all the details of what classes you took or who was in them or what you were learning in that subject or you know, what your clothes look like or what you had for the dinner of that day, you will still remember these moments. And that music one is, is an obvious example because it's very showy and bold. But I feel like a lot of the other examples, even just like the train ride or I mean, obviously chasing the cat. But, you know, I don't know how I distinguish those moments from the whole rest of the movie where she's seemingly doing the same things. But to me, this sort of like get that little that little pang where you're like where you have a sort of a a moment of recognition that this is a memory that will stay with the characters for you know for their entire lives. Uh, that's that's what I love about these type of movies.
0: Um. So, the library story is basically that that one of the one of the kind of nice things in here is, and this is something that I experienced actually when I was a kid, not as dramatically as this, but you know, your kid. Who reads a lot? And in the old days, the library books, like my school's library books, they, there's a piece of paper, and they would like put down who was checking out the book. It, mm-hmm. it would slide the card into the into a little envelope, and then that it had the history. And sometimes you could see, wow, this book's been around for 20 years. That's like forever. Mm-hmm. And there's, there are all these people who had this book before. And so we see that in in here. And what Lauren said to me was, oh, that's such an invasion of privacy. As she's looking down, like. <laughs> everybody who's done it. And it's, it's really cute because she finds out that the same boy has checked out all these same books that she has and is interested in the fairy tales and all of that. And it comes around at the end where he says that he was sort of chasing her too and trying to get his name in the books before her that he knew she would read, which is just a really wonderful turnaround. But she says, Lauren says, that's one of the reasons that they don't do anything like that anymore is that it is actually an invasion of privacy. <laughs> many stalkers. If, if you're yeah. aware, well, I mean, if you're aware, like you can look at a book and say, uh-ho, oh, oh, look who read this book. And mm. you can't do that mm-hmm. anymore. But back in the day, that's all they could do. And it's like, uh, I, I like that there's a nice moment where the dad is like, she's in the nonfiction section. Well, that's unusual. And he, and he <laughs> moves on. It was also funny little library moments. So uh, I, I, I don't know. For, for me, I, it,
2: it, it's nice seeing. That kind of touch where it isn't like advocating being a Luddite so much as it's romanticizing the things that do disappear over time with advances in technology. I remember checking books out from the library uh, one time in particular and just being so thrilled that my favorite teacher, yes, I was the kind of kid who had a favorite teacher um, <laughs> and loved teachers and school and tests and everything. Um, one of my teachers had checked out this book like a few months before I had checked oh. it out. And that was just so cool oh. to me
0: yeah yeah no it's I get why we don't do it anymore but but yeah, mm-hmm.
4: I always loved looking and seeing how long it had been since mm-hmm. someone else had checked it out, and when yes. it had been like a really long time, it was like finding a treasure <laughs> or finding some I don't know <laughs> like it was like this cool thing. nobody's checked this out, and like. 10 years this is amazing i
2: can tell you truly i am the wise one i I can can tell you (laughs) what
4: the
0: the librarians do when they find a book that hasn't been checked out for 10 years is they're like this book needs to come out of the collection that's right get it out of there nobody wants it get it out they do they weed Mm -hmm. it um the the miyazaki touches i I just again uh, the the cat chasing the cat scene where the cat gets off the first of all, the way the cat is animated. It's got the like purple ear. Um, it, it, I love how the, the it's, it's kind of husky. It, I like how it walks. It waddles. It, it, yep. it She chases it around. She goes over the fence. It goes up the alleyway. And it's also really a nice scene because she goes up that alleyway and she comes out into that really nice neighborhood. And she's like, Oh, I haven't even been up here before. And that way I thought it felt really real. Like the geography felt super real. Mm-hmm. And yet, and, and it, uh, it, it stands on over the fence where the dog is barking and like teases the dog for a little while, which is really funny. It's just wagging its tail in the dog's face. Yeah. That was was perfect. That's what cats do. Yeah.
3: I also like how the cat, like when it, when it was jumping up onto the fence, it didn't always make it the first try Mm -hmm. because it's such a husky cat had to wiggle (laughs) a little bit. And yeah. And her feeling of wonder of just like discovering this new place. That was, that was when I was just still so into this, into this movie. Like she's, she's, Got to a place where she's never been before, and was like, "This has been here all along, and I never knew about it." How exciting is that? That there could still be other places. I mean, I this is dumb, but I genuinely get that feeling sometimes playing Grand Theft Auto Five online. <laughs>
0: <Like I'll> stumble on <laughs> a neighborhood it's very, it's very I've similar, never right. seen before. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, can you? And the open world game of Miyazaki. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh jeez yeah. somebody make that well, happen
2: ghibli did do the animation for uh, for a game called nino kuni yeah well, that is not an open world game but it's it like is. all that
1: beautiful art held within the the strictures of jrpg uh, tightly mechanics. on rails mm. level grinding yeah. mm. brutal but boy it looks nice well, i just, bought that game just because it looked It's amazing. gorgeous i just
0: want to hop on <laughs> kiki's broom and uh find some blimps <laughs> that's what i want to do <laughs> in a game like that or, or follow a, cat. a nice day Dirigible. or follow a cat yeah absolutely
4: um, or look at that clock. Just stare. Just stare at that clock. clock. Okay, so the just clock, which is labeled noon. Porco
0: Rosso, by the way. So there's mm-hmm.
4: yeah, I noticed that too. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's a, a
2: Totoro toy.
0: Yeah, so the, the clock is amazing and the Baron in this in this shop that the grandfather runs, the, the Baron, uh, which is the cat statue, and he tells the story later on about how he was in Germany before the war and he met a woman and they, they I think they, they fell in love is the implication he's going to come back or they're going to see each other later and they never did and she had the, the girl cat and he has the boy cat. And then that leads to when she's writing Whisper of the Heart, these uh, uh, two or three fantasy sequences with the Baron and, and, and then you get your talking cat because the Baron talks and is animated (laughs) in her fantasy sequence which has got a different animation style and is much more fantastical and kind of what you would expect from a uh, Miyazaki movie.
3: I almost flipped over to the dubbed version just because I saw that Carrie Ellis did the voice for the Baron and I was like I need to hear this but then I I didn't have time.
0: Yeah
1: yeah this dub is actually pretty good in the in the grand scheme because my kids have watched it a lot so uh, I'm I'm pretty familiar with it. Some of the they change the the subtitles or the fan sub versus the official sub uh, versus the things that the dubs say are there's some drift there and sometimes mm-hmm. the lines end up more corny in in the dub than than you can even imagine them being like there's lots of different ways you can translate the things that they're saying even even the scene with the bicycle I think they take some liberties with trying to sort of punch it up and make it into an English language joke rather than just doing a literal, literal translation of the things yeah. that are said, which yeah, would have the, saved
2: us a little bit, spared us the uh, the corn. It's it's weird. I, I rewatched that chunk of it, both with the dub and both with the original track and the subtitles, and then I put the subtitles on the English dub, and it, it, it does exactly that kind of weird... Cutting of the no messaging here. By the way, just uh, you know, I'm 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 not going to weigh you down. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, it.
1: And, they'll, and they'll, you know, all these movies do the thing where they'll there'll be one Japanese word said by somebody that obviously <laughs> a single <laughs> yeah. word has multiple meaning, and then there'll be like a sentence in both the subtitles and the English dub trying to convey to you it in this context when they say this word it means more or less the same thing as this thing, but sometimes it just doesn't read that well. Sometimes just a single japanese word reads if you've seen a lot of japanese movies you understand that but like no one would expand it out into the full english sentence meaning you just sound you sound you don't sound right it doesn't sound right in english either we have the same thing in english we say a particular word in a particular context we don't now explain to you what that word means in this context because we would sound like a crazy person like you have to you have to let it be so that's one one argument for uh you know, watching and, and Mononoke, which we'll get to eventually, does this way better where they take huge liberties, but I think they capture the spirit of it. This movie seems like a much more awkward uh, translation for for those particular scenes that are already awkward. But most of it, not a lot of dialogue and the voices are actually good and the performances are good. And Carrie Elwes is as good as the Baron.
0: Uh, one other note that I had, and this is the only other thing that I wanted to touch on Then I'll see what you guys want to touch on before we go, um, is just a scene that I really liked where, so there's the give, give and take about how she's she's been basically tasked by her classmates to... Um, to rewrite the lyrics to country roads take me home because they're they're dumb and she they think she can do a better job and she, she thinks she can do a better job and uh that leads to a, a an exchange that I really liked where um they tease her and she says hey don't tease the person who writes your lyrics to which they respond oh great poet we will not transgress again. <laughs> and they kind of to her. And it's hilarious. <laughs> so that, 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 just so little, good. That's just a lot of fun school stuff like that. And all the stuff on the roof. I really like too. where, you know, he, he wants to see her and the entire class is like, Ooh, boyfriend. And they're like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, and they're like, they step outside and then everybody is at the window and they open the window to look out. And she's like, okay, we're going to go up to the roof and it's raining. So they have to stay in the doorway for a while. And then the rain ends. It's a, it's a very nice scene. And then of course, that becomes comedic too because the entire class basically tries to poke their heads out the door and see what's going on and they all fall over and are chased off the roof and so, so the all, kids are very
1: stereotypical comical like oh we got to see what's happening but the two of them play it pretty cool Absolutely. as as i think you would mm-hmm. if you were the because you don't if, between the two of you it's like everyone everything is subdued we're not i'm not you know you know what i mean like it instead of them being constantly explosively angry at the intrusion or incredibly emotional with each other. They're both trying to play it cool. Right. Which I I think reads like the the restraint that they have in their conversation with each other and how they pause a little bit and think about what they're going to say and try not to show their hands too much and just generally, you know, talk through what they're doing all the while the, you know, the other kids are, are being cartoon versions of themselves and trying to get and you know, being animated like a giant pile of, uh, you know, Ghibli characters uh, that that f- further emphasize the sort of uh, I don't know the sort of the sort of uh, casual realism uh, of the movie intermixed with all the fantastical elements.
0: What else have we not covered that we should uh, I, that we should mention here? This is your chance.
3: I would like to say something nice. For <laughs> okay, I guess I I I loved the music in this movie, and I am not generally a person who notices uh, movie scores. At all, uh, but uh, and I'm not just talking about country road appearing again and again. Uh, but like after that, at the beginning, as she's just you know getting ready and going off to off to school, and like I said, you know seeing the blimp and stuff. There's this just cheery music that's not over the top. It's not overblown. It just makes me really excited to be alive. <laughs> I Just I felt like I was running down the stairs with this character. And then later, when you get the uh, the reveal of the, the 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 shop, which seems like it's kind of like a mysterious, magical shop. It is. It's once again. It's just right. It's not over the top. It is. It's precise. It's not quite magical, but it is. It's fun and a little bit playful. Um, I, I again. I sort of stopped noticing the, the music toward the end of the movie, but but all the way through the, the beginning part, it just seemed like it was very well matched with whatever was happening on the screen, and not in a way that drew too much attention to itself. So, uh, I think for me, that was kind of like the the biggest the biggest enjoyment I got out of the, the film was the marriage of the music with the excitement that the characters were also feeling.
1: I have to say, I like John Denver and I like that. So John Denver song, like I know it's a yeah. mm-hmm. typical anime thing of Americana being reflected back to us get, getting warped through the lens of, of Japan. It's not even that warped that, except for the fact that they're trying to come up with lyrics that work in their in own Japanese, language, yeah, to, yeah. you know, right. right. Um, and, and they're sort of uh, you know, uh Japanese pronounced English words, yeah, with concrete roads because it sounds kind of like country. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. like th- that. You know that that is the only modification, but otherwise, it's just their appreciation of something. I'm like you know what, Americans like those that song too, but this is a good song, <laughs> we like John Denver, and I'm glad you like it too. Yeah, yeah,
2: I, d- I dig the the right wrong words uh, part of it. it. It you know the 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 really earnest attempt to find uh, meaning that works for them. Uh, in, in adapting it themselves as, uh, you know, as the, the trading of cultures goes. Um, the, the weird tangent, the, the, it's not really a tangent, but this is really like the year of Country Roads Take Me Home and movies somehow. Uh, it features prominently in Alien Covenant, Logan Lucky, <laughs> And uh, apparently, thanks to the most recent trailer, the uh, sequel to Kingsman, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, uh, all three of those movies in 2017, all using that song. Um, so uh, and anybody who uh, who thinks that John Denver is terrible or the song is terrible, well, um, too bad. You're on the wrong side of history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Aline, um, John Denver also was a uh, uh, was a I mean, it's it ended up being what killed him. But uh, he he loved flying planes and he built planes and stuff which i feel like a kindred spirit to miyazaki perhaps they even met i don't know um aline what uh what 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 do you have anything that uh is that you would like to say that we haven't come up with yet
2: anything as depressing as what jason just said (laughs) (laughs)
0: No, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I John, mean, we all know John, John Denver died in a, died in a plane crash, but yeah. but he was a he was an aviation enthusiast and built his own planes and stuff. And yeah. I think that is as Miyazaki as it gets, right? It's like Miyazaki's mm-hmm. obsessed yeah. with with flight and and uh, and airplanes and and other airships. So I, I think that that I realized that got a little uh, they were kindred spirits, maybe.
4: I don't know. No, I um. I really liked the honest portrayal of, of being a writer and I really want that grandfather clock. And, and, you know, just an adult, I, I enjoyed seeing parents, uh, kind of letting their still somewhat young child take, a leap of her own, and um, you know, talk about it and not yell at her. And I, I appreciated that, even though if I were a parent, I'm not sure I would do the same thing and be like, "No, you need to study for your tests." Um, but no, I think it's 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 a good movie. It's a little long for me, um, but I, I like watching it. It's something I come back to every I don't know every few years and watch it. So.
1: So I have a suggestion for Jason, because I'm very thing I often do on these podcasts, especially if I have not taken a, a good or any notes, which is the case for this one. Because I've seen this movie so many times. I'm like, I don't need to take notes, but then you forget stuff is I play the movie while we're recording the podcast, uh, you know, in the background on my computer. But with the sound off, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing like I said about this movie is like a gentle story, uh, but executed very well. Part of it executed very well is that the budget is obviously much larger than for like a serialized TV show where the budgets are often very, very low because they had to make a million episodes of it and it's just not that big. Now, this is not the same kind of budget as like, you know, Spirited Away or Mononoke. Like, it's not in in that category. But there is a tremendous amount of money and time and attention put into this. And if you watch the movie with the sound off, you're forced, especially with subtitles off too, you're forced to actually look at the art on the screen and not be engaged with the music or the dialogue or anything like that. And I think, you know... It, it it makes you appreciate the visual aspect of the movie again a movie where it's just a person going to school hanging around in a city in the suburb. that's it like there's no you know other than the fantastical sections there's not you know, she doesn't even go on the airship like she never gets to fly anywhere other than running no. downstairs and imagining things she gets to stand but, on
0: that top of that she goes through the gate when he's going downstairs to let her in at the bottom of the house And she, and she yeah. says it feels like i'm flying like standing up here mm-hmm. that's that's how close she comes right there
1: and when she you know and she goes down the stairs and it, but like j- just to watch the animation like even like the the scene where they're on the roof talking to each other you're concentrating on the idea of the kids behind the door and what they're saying to each other and the tension between them but if you can't hear any of that you're watching the wind blowing the clouds blowing her skirt at the same time and how beautifully painted the background is and the simple figures on top of it like the, the things that budgeting forces forces like you know nice painted backgrounds, very often beautiful, highly detailed ones in, in medium to high budget movies. And then the hand drawn animation, which is not painted in the same way because it can't because they got to do 24 frames per second of it. Um, that sort of aesthetic uh, allows it's a combination of impressionistic painting with uh, very spare sort of the most important seven lines to suggest this one thing and it lets you realize like, and i think of all the pixar trips where they're like oh we went underneath a bunch of plants and looked up at the leaves and saw what they look like and we all took archery lessons and slow motion camera footage of people shooting bows and arrows or brave and stuff like that that type of if not intentional research then merely like through osmosis letting the, the people know what does a japanese schoolgirl skirt look like when you are scrunched down on top of a thing at the little fake tea set in a little girl's room like what do what does a pile of books look like on a desk and where might kids put the things that you know how would they arrange things in, in, in a room so they can like reach stuff some things from their bed but also do stuff with like just those type of details and and the animation in the background it's like Watch it with the sound off and you will appreciate it And in this movie, which I think no one would be like, oh, it's like spirited away. It's a visual feast. Nope, it's not a visual feast, but try it with the sound off. And I think you'll be surprised at how much at how much attention to DML and how much how much art is is on display, even in the simplest of scenes.
0: Right. What else? What should we do before we go? Anything? Uh, anything else to mention? Well,
2: uh, it's uh, we're recording this in a momentous time for uh, collectors of of Ghibli movies, where uh, somebody mentioned in the chat room. Oh, I can't find where to get this. It says it's only available from third party sellers. The reason that Amazon might be telling people this right now. Well, the reason that Amazon is telling people this, and that you find the Disney Blu rays and DVDs uh, marked down for the first time, pretty much ever uh, across the country, uh, and uh, actually all of North america u.s and canada is that uh home video distribution for all of the ghibli catalog except for two movies grave of the fireflies which sentai Filmworks has exclusively and the wind rises because it's uh relatively new still all of that stuff has has moved from disney to a distributor called g kids that uh has previously released various ghibli movies some of their back catalog stuff that falls in the same genre as whisper of the heart the kind of gentle story of people living life uh ocean waves um only yesterday both of which had not been released on home video in North America previously as well as new movies like the Academy Award nominated Tale of Princess Kaguya um and a couple of others uh, from Up on Poppy Hill also a a hills and bicycles movie uh like this one um those folks are fantastic and they manage a bunch of other animated movies and so all of the uh the Ghibli movies are being reissued uh with the first wave of them coming uh in mid-October when we get new Blu-rays for Howls Moving Castle, uh, Spirited Away, Totoro, Ponyo, uh, Mononoke, and Kiki. And then on October 31st, we get Castle in the Sky and Nausicaa. Um, and they've changed the cover art on a couple of them. There are new extras on all of them, which they're apparently announcing at some point this week that we're recording it. Um, the, th- they have said very, very publicly, you know, do not expect us to double dip these you know, 12 months from now, um, we are going to make these worth it. Um, and the same distributor has had theatrical distribution for the Ghibli movies for a while now, and they're in the midst of doing, uh, screenings across the country, um, in, in batches. They've already done Totoro, they've already done Castle in the Sky. Um, I think the next one that they're doing is nausicaa nausicaa in late september and then spirit away in october and Howl's moving castle in november um but i i i can personally vouch for these people as really wonderful caretakers of animation uh they started as the new york children's film festival and then became a distributor uh so those of you like me who have uh longed for home video versions that don't include the dub titles or just the dub translation as English subtitles, which is uh, something that has infected various of the Disney releases. Uh, That is a thing of the past. You can still have those subtitles, but they've also put the proper translated uh, real subtitles on all of them. Uh, They've, they've basically said if it's on the Japanese release, we have access to it. And a lot of people's biggest uh, complaints for some time uh, though, those are no longer uh, going to be issues. Um, uh, and they're finally going to put my neighbors, the Yamadas on Blu-ray, which is, is as a completionist, something that I've been hoping for, for a while. So yeah, uh, booklets and essays and new extras and all kinds of great things are, are coming from the new distributor of stuff. So don't buy the Disney Blu-rays. Just wait, just wait. It'll be fine. Um, all of them will be out by early next year. So the,
1: the most important question, what is the deal with digital distribution? like non-plastic discs. Uh,
2: studio Ghibli in Japan calls the shots on that and uh, unless they change their minds it just is not going to happen boo someone needs to go have a talk no I all, talk with that guy all DVD and Blu-ray uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the variable bit rate stuff uh, and just you know I'd say if you Ghibli, if
0: you can remove if you mo- release your movie on VHS you can release it on streaming <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Mm. all right well um i think we've reached the end but this was fun i was glad to do this it was a not it was not a movie i'd seen before and not quite miyazaki but miyazaki's presence is felt and uh yeah i had a fun time watching it and uh there was a cat and uh john denver song and (laughs) i will remember these uh for uh in my in my mental catalog of studio ghibli movies that go beyond miyazaki now you've expanded my mind in that way too thank you john syracusa for doing that take me home country roads mm, indeed
2: <laughs> moises Chuyon, thank you so much for being here finally princess mononoke will have actual princess mononoke on the cover of it mm, uh, imagine that um
0: oh great poet eric ansign we will not transgress again <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm
3: always so depressing. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: I'm so glad you
0: saved that. That was perfect. Uh, I thought you were going to say, you're not very nice, just like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> second. That's what I was going to say to Aline. Aline Sims, you're not very nice. Li- I like you. You're not very nice, just like me You're welcome. (laughs) All right. And thanks to everybody else out there for listening to this episode. Um, We're going to go now and uh, follow this cat and see where it leads us. Maybe it'll talk. It won't talk. Bye, everybody.